Welcome to Folding Chair Theology. We're your hosts, Justin Mercier and Bruce Pagano, and this is Theology for Everyone. Hey, welcome back to Folding Chair Theology. Um, so this is just going to be a Spruce of Bruce. Um, we are kind of in between episodes right now. Some stuff came up where we um, had planned on kind of continuing our series, and this week has just been a little bit crazy, and we're waiting to hear back from another podcast that we have invited to participate in the conversation with us, who agreed, and we're just trying to figure out time to record. So, in the interim, we're going to do a just a shorter episode. 15, 20 minutes um, with Spruce and Bruce. And I think that it fits in. I think that it fits into the conversation that we're going to have because we just talked about in the last episode why Christian nationalism is dangerous. Uh, the next episode, we're going to talk about the American readout, um, and that's American R E D O U B T, readout. That word readout, we'll talk about how it means fortification. Um, and then the episodes after that, we might have one or two about the kingdom and then about the implications of trying to establish a uh, something called a theocracy or a theonomy and um, the political and uh, civil implications of that when it, um, from a non-religious perspective. So in the interim, though, this Bruce of Bruce is meant to be... Um, <clears throat> Uh, kind of a uh, something that ties it together a little bit, um, specifically what it means. Um, my wife had posted this um, article and she had gotten into a conversation with someone. And one of the points that the person made was that it's our job. Um, and I might butcher this a little bit. I'm kind of paraphrasing the person um, and not specific, like he didn't necessarily use these specific words, but that our it's our job to make sure that we call people back to nope he said something to the effect of like it's our job to like call people to the identity that um um Jesus that God calls them to that um part of the conversation was that the bible's for everyone it was written for everyone and that it's our job to make sure that people live in their identity um and he didn't say it specifically that way. Those are kind of my words. The The thing that I got from it, though, that what I felt was inferred was it's our job to tell people who they're supposed to be. Um, and he may not have meant it that way, but I've lived in enough evangelical Christian spaces um, that kind of promotes this idea that people don't know who they are. And it's our job to tell them who they are in God. And um, and we take that stand um, from a um, an evangelism standpoint, like I'm going to go out and tell people, uh, I'm going to evangelize to people. And part of that evangelism is telling them who they're supposed to be in God and who God calls them. And, and it, and it takes the form of this idea that we hate the sin and love the sinner. And by loving the sinner, we tell them, um, who they're supposed to be and why what they're doing is not in line with that identity. And I get the sentiment and I for sure spent a lot of years in that space um, where I believed that. 
and where I participated in that and where I taught that. And as I, as I kind of grow in my understanding of what it means to follow Jesus and what he asked us to do as a part of his, as one of his followers, um, I no longer align with that specifically um, from that standpoint. And here's what I mean. Jesus didn't specifically send us out um, to reveal who people are supposed to be as image bearers. Like that wasn't our call. Specifically, the call was to go out and make disciples of all nations, um, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And disciples are, are learners. And so when Jesus gets at this point where he makes this point where he's like, the world's sin is unbelief. And the Holy Spirit comes to testify to that and to draw people into all wisdom and knowledge of who he is. And so Jesus is making this point that like the world has not believed who God is and who Jesus is in, in God and, and as God and that the Holy spirit, it's the Holy spirit's job to come testify to that truth. And so when we get invited into this space to be, um, um, ambassadors, um, for God, crying out to the world, come back to God. The implication there is not that we're supposed to go out and tell people who they are, um, but we're supposed to tell people who God is, and we're supposed to be a witness to Jesus and who he is and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to um, lead people into the truth of who they are and into the truth of, of belief in Jesus. And so, so it, it may seem nuanced and it may feel like, um, it's the same thing, but it's not, it's not the same thing. And the reason it's not the same thing is because if I go out and I, and my goal is to identify is, is to tell a person who they are then I'm going to approach that person as if I know who they are better than they know who they are. And it's going to come off condescending and it's going to come off self-righteous and it's going to come off like I know something you don't know about yourself. And that's not what we were asked to do. We were actually asked to introduce them to Jesus. And my part of my concern is if we approach people in that way where we feel like we know who they are better than they know who they are, um, and, and I'm talking about unbelievers specifically, if we approach someone who doesn't believe in Jesus as if the thing that they're doing is a sin because they don't know who they really are. And our goal is to, to, to show them and tell them who they really are. The self-righteousness involved in that comes off very condescending. Um, and we're talking about identity issues. So it's not as simple as, Hey, stop doing this bad thing that I think you're doing. It's Hey, change who you think you are into who I know you are. And that's an elitist premise. Um, you're actually placing yourself above them. Um, and it is the exact opposite of what Jesus said he came to do. Like he didn't come that he, um, saw himself equal with God, but like lowered himself and placed himself among us, um, to come and serve us. And so 
the opposite becomes more effective and more in line of what we're actually called to do. So, for example, um, if I if I go out to introduce people to Jesus, uh, I'm going to be more concerned with like legitimately understanding this is who Jesus is and this is who I want to introduce you to. And this is um, who I want to be and act like toward you. Um, and that allows me to approach someone as a legitimate image bearer, seeing them as an image bearer that is already made in the image of God and that the most important relationship that they can have is with Christ. And it's through that relationship with Christ that I trust the Holy Spirit to lead them into belief. And and I can't do that without um, entering into a relationship with them and first getting to know truly who they are. And so um, th- there's this thing in um, the missional church movement that me and my wife and some friends are trying to kind of adopt and implement. Um, and one of the things that we say, I got it from Hugh Halter is that belonging enables belief. And so if I enter into a relationship with someone with this intention of providing a space where they feel like they belong and we are engaged in relationship and I'm truly getting to know them and they're getting to know me, then, and it is centered around Christ, then that belonging will enable them to move into a place of belief because they're moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, them realizing whatever identity thing needs to happen for them is going to be done in the context of community um, as we move through life together. And it's and and my openness to them coming and saying, "Hey, I think this is who God's revealing me to be," needs to be there to uh, to allow. F- for and facilitate conversation around that from a biblical sense. Um, but that's after they've professed belief and entered into community um, because one of the points my wife tried to make in that thread conversation was the Bible wasn't written to unbelievers. It's not for them. The Bible specifically was written, especially the entirety of the New Testament, um, as far as the epistles go, were that like those letters were written to already Christians who profess belief in Jesus and were trying to figure out what it meant to walk in and follow him as disciples and Paul and Peter and James and John, they're all revealing that to believers. They're not using it as an evangelism mechanism. Um, now certainly the gospel and or the gospel accounts, and um, the book of Acts, um, those chronicle uh, interactions where the apostles and Jesus engage people to reveal who Jesus is in an evangelistic manner. But the focus is around who Jesus is and inviting them into community and communion with Christ um, through Christ with God and with um, his community of believers. And so it's this nuanced thing, but our goal, our our call, our mandate is not to go out and tell people who they are because they've missed it. It's to reveal who Christ is and, and facilitate um, as witnesses 
an interaction and rejoining together of the person and God through Christ. That's it. Like that's our job uh, or the, well, that's our call. That's our invitation. And so it becomes less about like me having to tell you who you are and more about me telling you who Christ is and the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals who you are as an image bearer. And so that gets into a conversation potentially about what is sin and what does it mean to like um, miss the mark and all that stuff and that I'm not going to have here. And we've kind of talked about a little bit before on the podcast. Um, but really what it does is it undoes that um, mentality, that saying, hate the sin, but love the sinner. Um, because it moves people out of the sphere of being viewed as some sinner behaving badly because they don't know who they truly are in Christ and moves them into the sphere of image bearer, a person made in the image of God who needs to be reconciled to him so that they can experience life to the fullest lived out in a humanity is that, that is, um, reflective of the most fullness of creation that God intended from the very beginning. And so if my goal is to like invite people into experiencing um, whole and complete humanity as a created human being um, and the way that I believe that that happens is connection to and following Jesus then I'm going to try and introduce people to Jesus. And one of the primary ways I'm going to do that is the way that I interact with them in a relationship. And when they say, Hey, where does this hope come from? I get to talk about Jesus. And once they feel like they belong, we get to have conversations about belief. And as they move towards a faithfulness that, that reveals their commitment and allegiance to Jesus, they will believe who he is because the Holy Spirit moves them into that place of truth. And then we get to have conversations about behavior um, because whether we like it or not, there are ways that Christians are supposed to behave. There just are. But those things are never put on people who do not profess to follow Jesus. They're just not. They're not put on them. Now, they might be pointed out to Christians when Paul says things like, Hey, remember how you acted before? Hey, you know, Jesus says something like, Hey, look, the Gentiles do this and they seek authority and they lord it over each other. It among you won't be like that. So like they are used as an example, um, of how not to behave as followers of Jesus, but typically it's not directed towards them for specific ways and how to believe even in the invitations where Jesus is like, Hey, rich young ruler, you want eternal life? That's what you came to me for. Um, here's how you get it. Sell everything you own um, and give it to the poor and follow me. He still gives a choice in that space for the, for the rich young ruler to believe Jesus in that space. And the rich young ruler rejects it. He decides, I don't want that. And he goes away sad. And I don't think he goes because he was very rich. So I don't think he goes away sad because... Um, Jesus wanted him to give up his money. I think he goes away sad because he was rejecting like the answer he wanted was about eternal life and he rejects eternal life for his money. And he knows that 
in order to have one, he gives up the other and he didn't want to give up the other. And so he loses the thing that he actually thought he wanted the most. Um, so even in those circumstances, there's still a choice there and it is not like be this certain person and you can't be this certain person until you stop doing this thing that you're doing. Because I know lots of Christians who are stuck in sin and I know lots of Christians who continue to sin. Bruce raises his hand. Um, and not because I don't want to follow Christ and not because I don't know who I am, but because sometimes I forget and sometimes I stumble into spaces that is old flesh dynamic and not new flesh dynamic. And so, um, in those cases, I do need brothers and sisters in Christ to come around me and be like, Bruce, this isn't who you are. Like you are called to this other place and you're capable of it through the Holy spirit. Um, what I don't think is helpful is when someone who doesn't even believe in Jesus is, is we try to hold them to a standard that they don't even profess to be important um, or real or necessary. And so um, that conversation with my wife, one of the things that was brought up was just like, all oh, God's law is for everyone. And while that's true and there is such a thing as common grace and people benefit from God's general common grace. What's also true is that if I tell people, Hey, you're not allowed to steal or murder and we've, and that's God's law and we've built civil law around that. And based on that, people who don't believe in God are not going to acknowledge that it's a 10 commandment rule. They're going to acknowledge the fact that it's a moral good. Like they're going to be like, well, of course you don't murder because morally, and then they'll, you know, come up with where that moral standard comes, comes from for them. Um, but if it's about that, then we're missing the point of Jesus and introducing them to Jesus. So yeah, I don't think that we're called to tell people who they are in Christ because Jesus never says that. We're called to remind Christians who they are in Christ, but we're called to the unbeliever to introduce them to who Jesus is, not who they are. And it's through that introduction to Jesus and their professed belief and faithfulness toward him that the Holy Spirit comes and leads them into all truth. And that's it. Um, and so I think it's an important distinction and it changes when we when that changes it changes the way that we see other people and approach them and it undoes things like well if you keep acting this way you're going to go to hell um because who wants to start off any relationship out of fear i don't and so i don't know why we would want to put that on other people um and also who wants to start a relationship off based on hey you don't know who you are but if you come follow me I can tell you who you are, especially when they're in the space where they're like, I think that I know who I am. Um, and Jesus doesn't want to necessarily undo who we are. He just wants to reveal the fullness of our humanity. Um, and what that means is an image bearer of God. So maybe that's another conversation. Anyway, that's the Spruce of Bruce. Um, I think that it matters because as we talk about the American readout and Christian nationalism and why it's dangerous, our need to convert people to an identity that we think they need to held or hold or be or live in becomes a strong basis for us 
stepping into a place of self-righteousness and thinking we know what's the best for all of humanity. So we're going to implement these laws to make sure you live the way that you're supposed to live based on who we think you are. So it becomes dangerous and it becomes um, controlling and hierarchical and uh, self-righteous. So that's it. That's Spruce Bruce. And we will talk more. I'd love to know what you think on it. Comment and um, like it, don't like it, argue, disagree, agree. Um, I'd love to hear all of it. All right. Until next time, keep unfolding God's word. Thank you for listening to Folding Share Theology. You can follow Bruce on multiple social media platforms at bpags2, as well as Justin Mercier on Instagram at justinmercier13. Additionally, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Folding Share Theology. Until then, keep unfolding God's word each and every day.